We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Moody. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. Okay, so um, you're going to tell two people my topic before you sit down. My topic this morning is clean up the spider webs. Clean up the spider webs. So say to two people and get seated. Clean up the spider webs. Look at, look at somebody around you like, I feel this is for you. I sense that, that you're really going to need this. Okay, so, um, you know what? Have you ever had like a, how did you get here moment? How did you get here? Like, how, how did this happen? So, example, um, you cleaned up your house. Like, you took a day off, you cleaned the house. You fumigated, you um, sanitized, you disinfected, you... Basically cleaned everything cleanable, you washed every surface and all of that. Then that evening you were sitting down watching TV and you just saw this big cockroach bouncing out. Like just and they're like, how did you how did you get here? Like you, right? Anybody ever okay, good. Or another example is like maybe you even came to church this morning and as worship was going on and you were just really feeling like God is touching you and all of that. You just looked across the room and you saw your ex walking in. How did you get here? Like because I know things we used to do together. Like, what are you doing in church? And question, what are you also doing in church? All right. Um, so years ago, my wife and I were in Dubai, and we went shopping. And I remember being in this shop, and this Arab guy, we were talking to him, and we were really like, engaging in a conversation. So there's this thing you start to do, especially when you're out of the country, and you want to talk to your partner, and you don't want that. You just switch to Yoruba, right? So I just switched to Yoruba. My wife and I are now like, uh, um, Taba, Shekinikon, some, you know, that kind of guy. And the guy just replies to us that, hey, you're how did you get here? Like, you know, how, how are we here, right? Or maybe for you, you go for a job interview and you had lied to them in the office that, you know, your stomach is paining or, you know, you had told them a classic one or that uh, you have burial of your late, late grandfather-in-law and stuff like that. Then you got to the job interview and when you got to the job interview, another applicant for the job where you are waiting is your boss at work. How are we here? How did you get you get here? I, I heard um, Reverend George preaching some years ago, Reverend George Adeboy, and he was saying about, I mean, he travels the world, and he was talking about going to preach somewhere, and this country, somewhere in one corner of Eastern Europe, I can't remember what country, but he says they only have like five or six hours daylight per day. Like one corner, you know those corners of Eastern Europe kind of country. So he's preaching, and he finishes the first day, and they say this guy from Nigeria and all of that. And then after the meeting, somebody walks up to him and introduces himself and says that he's the leader of the Nigerian community here. So when John faces the guy, like, how did you get here? The guy faces him and says, you, how did you get here? <laughs> you know, like, how are we here? And when I read Proverbs 30 and verse 28, I think it's that kind of conversation. That the Bible says that the spider, the spider, it's just skillfully grasping with its hands. But guess what? It is in king's palaces. Like, this is supposed to be the palace of a king, like, all royalty and all of that, but somehow the spider is just here. Like, how did you get here? How am I finding a cobweb in the king's palace, right? And so the Bible says the spider is just skillfully grasping with his hands, all right? Um, and just action by action, it's forming a web. It's forming that spider web. And the Bible says it is in king's palaces. This was me as a young man um, many years ago. I remember that I would, you know, clean up 
the house and trying to put a surprise out for my mom and, you know, clean everything that I think a human being should clean, clean every surface and sweep everywhere. And my mom just walks in and, you know, just, I don't know if you had an African mother like, like, like me, but she just walks in and says, how are there cobwebs here? Like, look down and see what I've swept. Like, how can you be in a room and there's cobweb here? You know, stuff like that, right? Um, but I love my mom, I really do. Um, but but I, do, do you know what? As I think about this, um, um, Jesus sets us right at heart. You know, what it means to be a Christian is that there's a working of God that has happened in your heart. Um, that we believe in Jesus in our heart. And God makes us right in our hearts. And so we start to say things like we're made righteous. We start to say things like we're in a right standing with God. And that's all beautiful. But how is it that a spider finds its way of just creeping into the king's palace? How is it that in this royalty, we are finding a spider web? And um, what I want to say today is that, you know, because we live in a fallen world, um, the truth is we live in that kind of a fallen world. And, and if, you don't, if you don't get this, maybe David's prayer in Psalm 51 will make it clear. Maybe you can relate to David in Psalm 51 saying, God, create in me a clean heart. Um, yes, I know you've done the big one. I know in Jesus, I know I'm in a right standing at heart with Jesus and all, but sometimes this world just has a way of creeping on me. And David is praying and saying, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, is it only me, but are there some times that from the inside, you just feel something is not right? Anybody? At least 10 honest people on a Sunday morning, second service. That's why I don't like um, first service, yeah. Um, you know, but, but you know what I'll tell you today, friends? Um, a heart that is going to be clean. If your heart is going to be clean, because hey, we need God to, to, to set our hearts right. If our hearts are going to be clean, if that David's prayer of God created me a clean heart, if your heart is going to be clean, it is not going to be a heart that is always clean, but it's going to be a heart that is always cleaned. If your heart is going to be clean, it's not going to so much be a heart that is always clean as much as it's a heart that is always cleaned. What do I mean? I, okay, when you go to your home office, if you say, I don't have office in my home, I'll tell you, that white chair, your home office, right? When you go into your home office and, you know, you just go for a performance, right? Major performance. Um, you know, you also know that there are times you are done in that thing and you know that also I did this thing like a hoodlum, like I don't have the fear of God. You know, like, like just what you, you know, different sounds, you are beating the drums better than you are, you know, and all of that. And at the end of that, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you clean it up. Right? Okay, hopefully, big hope, but nobody say yes. Ah, okay, it's getting more worrisome now. You clean it up. Okay. Okay, what if it's not your home office? What if it's like the public office? Do you? Okay, don't worry. Don't let's, don't let's talk about that. What if it's like the church? Okay, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll ask for any management after just the challenges they have with second service people. Anyway, so you clean it up. And then you have a friend come visit and your friend like, oh, can I use your washroom? And you're like, okay, okay, my restroom, washroom, whatever. And friend comes out and, you know, you've put all these air fresheners and all of that. And friend comes out and like, your toilet is so clean. But me and you know, it is not always clean. It is the consistency of cleaning. Alright, so if, my, if it's going to be clean, if you say my toilet at home is clean, it is that it is always cleaned. Not that it is always clean. And I pretty much think the same thing with our hearts, friends, that honestly in the world and, and in which we live, if we're going to have a clean heart, it is going to be a story of a heart 
that is always clear. Don't be surprised to see a spider creeping up in the king's palace of your heart. Don't be surprised to see a, a spider joining lines and just making a web in, in what your heart is. Don't be surprised to live in this world because we live in that kind of world. We live in a fallen planet. We live in a world that is, you know, just just corrupted and so you know there's just negativity everywhere there are things we face there are problems on every side and do you know the truth what satan loves the most to do is to just join dot and dot and dot to create a web of negativity on our hearts um to just create in us a heart that just thing after thing after thing is just linking up into a web of a hard posture that is contrary to what god calls us to I think about how the devil wants to just stamp our hearts, quite honestly, stamp our hearts like a tattoo, you know, and it's just there and you carry it everywhere and there are these statements just happening over your heart. Um, for some of you, it's just, you know, a web that has formed out of past experiences and, you know, that happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me and you've just connected the dots and you formed a web and now you're making statements over yourself like I'm a failure, like I can never make this happen, like my life is doomed and, you know, you just have a dot and a dot and a dot connected. Um, giving you a wrong statement over your heart or maybe it's just the failure and the failure and the failure the failure in business the failure in relationship the failure at you know that project and all of that and now here you are with just that hard posture and hard stamp of i am a failure the devil would love more than anything else to just form a web over our hearts and give us a hard posture because remember that if whatever is happening in our hearts is what would happen in our lives and so satan knows that if he can stamp our hearts in a negative way then we would live out that negativity in our lives. And um, maybe it's just the, the news you hear and, you know, just one thing, one thing, one thing, and you've connected it, and now you really just feel like a victim, you know. Um, yeah, sometimes we really just feel like we're victims. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a heart stamp that just happens on us. And so what then starts to happen is that we start to live you know fighting the wrong battles living in all the wrong directions and so you know there's a point you get to where it's not enough to say i'm winning the bigger question is am i winning the right battles there's a point you get to where satan is that's the worst thing about this where satan is setting the tracks in front of you to run and so you are running and claiming a victory but it's just a victory in a race that the devil gave you to run Listen to me, if the devil holds your dictionary in life, if the devil holds your dictionary, by that I mean, if the devil defines words to you, you're always going to be running on his terms. If the devil is the one that defines words like success to you, do you know what? You're going to live your whole life trying to prove a point that only Satan gave you to prove. Oh, deep, man. <laughs> trying to win on a template that he gave you and you know sometimes we fall victim of that because we've been stamped with all these things so you're living your plans your life and all is to prove this point a point that who gave you to prove and so what i think i'm trying to say is that we're not called to live our lives just chasing the wrong directions fighting the wrong battles um tags that we're starting to defend ourselves from and what have you you know, let me tell you, for example, maybe people called you something and now you're living your whole life to say you're not what they called you. It's one thing not to be what they called you. It's another thing to be what Jesus calls you. Right? Um, and, you know, one of the things I was reading about spider webs is just about how they are sticky. 
and what the spiders do basically is that when they build their web, it's, it, it's built with this stickiness. And so what happens is that, for example, they want to get prey, like an insect is flying and all. The insect just gets hooked up in the stickiness of the webs. Um, and that, as I heard that and as I thought about that, that in itself is so, like, yes, I can relate to that. Because what happens is that if the devil can join this and this and this in my life and build a web of negativity out of it, God is bringing new opportunities into your life. But somehow the stickiness of that web just hooks it. And now you don't even see it as an opportunity. You see it as a problem. God brings a beautiful relationship into your life. And now you, the web of where you're coming from, the web of what they did, what they did, you just framed the web out of it. And now just where you're coming from has stamped you in this negative way. And um, as I think about how webs can pick on some of the best and greatest opportunities in our lives, new seasons of our lives. A promise of God is standing in front of you. But you just allow a web in your heart. And I'll show you in just a moment what this can look like. But you just allow that web in your heart to get a hook on it. Um, I think it's really something we have to be thinking about. Um, maybe I'll suggest to you today, friends, we need a heart check. We need a heart check that is saying, is my heart actually clean? Is my heart in the right place? Is my heart actually clean? Is my heart really in a place where God you know, has set it right and I'm living with a clean heart? Or are there all these webs over my heart? And yes, it's a king's palace. Yes, it's a king's palace with all the royalty of God, but it's just stamped in a negative way. Okay, so let me give you five heart checks. Five checks that we can all be running on our hearts this morning. And it's not exhaustive, but five things that maybe you just want to think about and put your heart on the scale and say, what does my heart read? Okay. And, and I'll just show you how the spider will be trying to creep up on each of these things. So number one, the first heart check is, um, okay, the first heart posture that you want to have. Cautious, but not fearful. Cautious, but not fearful. In first service, they were excited at that point, but obviously you guys... You guys are too deep for this kind of simple point. First service people are just shallow people. They don't. But you guys are deep. So this kind of point cannot even impress you. But shall I bear with me? <laughs> Cautious but not fearful. So the big question that you're going to ask yourself, if you say, woo, now it's after thought, don't worry. <laughs> but the big question you're going to ask yourself, is this still caution or has it become fear? Is this still caution or has it become fear? And so, you know, quite honestly, we live in that kind of world where, you know, you have to make sensible choices. You know, you have to think about things. Um, and yeah, it is a dangerous world. It is a, you know, dangerous generation. You know, somebody told me years ago about how he was, he, his, his elder sister, his parents gave birth to his elder sister in the UK. And he was, they, they wanted to send the child home to Nigeria because um, in the UK, affording a nanny and all of that. So they decided to send the child home to Nigeria. And according to him, on the, they just wrote a letter home. In those days, you write a letter. They wrote a letter home and told their relatives to come to the airport on so-so-so day at so-so-so time when the British Airways flight so-so-so will land, okay? And on that day of the flight, they simply went to the airport, asked somebody on the queue, please, can you hold this baby and help us take to Nigeria? Maybe like a three-month-old baby and help us take to Nigeria. And the person did. And do you understand what I'm saying? Like, now, you don't... You get what I'm trying to say, right? <laughs> Even to take your child to toilet now. You follow. So, we live in that kind of world. And, but the big question I'm asking is, at what point does it stop being caution and become fear? 
Oh, yes. So, I mean, yes, definitely make every wise, practical choice you can. You want to travel. What is the safest means of traveling, right? You know, <laughs> why pass where people are renting cows? Go and take real, right? <laughs> Sensible. But at what point does it stop being cautioned and does it become fear? Because more than anything, you would find that you can say my heart is right, but the spider just has this way of creeping in. Before you know what's happening, this is to be a palace. What are you doing here? I'm living in fear now. How many of you have been there before where honestly you just looked at yourself and you know this one has become fair? Anybody? Good. It has become fair. So what I would say to us this morning, because 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Number one, I would say to us, please don't justify fear. You get to that place where you know, uh, don't justify fear. Whether you say ah, it's because we're in 2021, don't justify fear. God has not called you to a life of fear. Don't ever justify fear. Fear is simply, this is where I draw the line. Fear is simply a place where you trust or you believe or you listen to other voices more than you listen to God. Um, Romans 10 and verse 17 says that, you know what, if you are listening to God, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've always said that fear also comes by hearing and by the word of the devil. If I'm listening to God, it is inspiring faith. If I'm listening to the voice of the devil, it is inspiring fear. So please make every wise choice you can make. Make every rational choice you need to make. But at some point, you need to be checking your heart and saying, am I still in a place of faith or has this become fear? Okay, second big one I'll raise this morning. Second big check that we want to run on our hearts. And I'm just, honestly, one of the things that Hartitudes does for me every year when we, when we come around Hartitudes is that as much as I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. This is definitely not a message of 10 years ago, I perfected it. This is definitely every day of our lives. I don't know what I'm going to face tonight. Do you understand what I'm saying? That will be an invitation to fear in the name of caution. Um, but here's how I check my heart. I want to believe God more than I believe anything else. Amen. Amen. Second big one that I'll suggest to you this morning. Planning but not worrying. Mm, 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 mm. Planning but not worrying. So my question, is this still planning or has it become worrying? Let me look at somebody next to you and say, is this still planning? Or has it become worrying? Drag your body, I don't worry. Is this one still planning? Oh, yes, you know, Jesus taught outrightly, and we must plan, okay? If you're here and you're a Christian and you don't plan, you don't understand what Jesus taught. Jesus taught clearly plan. Jesus taught things like building and saying, if you're going to build, you have to count the cost. What will it cost me? And he said, plan forward, think forward. That's what Jesus would tell you. As a Christian, I believe we must be thinking forward. You must be thinking there's a new year coming. Think forward. What are the trends in my career? Think forward. What are the things happening in school? Think forward. What is... Think forward. Jesus thought about thinking forward. He thought about virgins who were... They were virgins. They were virgins. Some of them say, no, keep quiet. They were virgins. But five of them planned forward. All right? But five of them were foolish because they just didn't think forward. All right? Are you still here? So Jesus teaches us to think forward. But at what point does thinking forward become worrying? Because Jesus taught and he said, look, by worrying, you cannot add a single cubit to your life, to your, to your height. You can't. You can't. You can't change. In other words, what Jesus is saying in today's language is that by worrying, you cannot boil yam. You cannot. You're worrying. Your worrying will not move any. Sit down here. Worry, worry, worry. It will not change anything. So how will I keep a heart posture that plans but will not allow that spider to just build that into a web of worry? You see, in this conversation of planning and worrying, there's only one key that I can share with you that has helped me a lot. One very simple key. If I ever think forward, 
and I'm not trusting one who holds the variables in where I'm thinking into, then I'm already worrying. Any thinking without trusting is already worrying. That's what I'm trying to say. If you are ever thinking, if you are ever planning, and there is no active trusting, you are already worrying. Whether it is panic attack kind of worrying or it is just subtle, listen, you are already worrying. If you are ever thinking forward and you are not trusting, I love to think and make plans and all of that, but affirm. You see, this heart is so tricky. If I'm not consciously affirming and saying, God, I trust you in this, like verbalizing it, hearing myself saying, it, God, I trust you. You're thinking about your wedding, ah, my wedding, my wedding. God, I trust you in this. You're thinking about, ah, if I now give back to children, my children don't like me. God, I trust you. What if my children now even like me, but when they marry, the child they marry doesn't like me, and when I'm of old age, hey, God, I trust you in this. Have you ever caught yourself in those kind of... Where are you, man? Where are God, I trust you. Any thinking forward that does not come into the affirmation of trust is worrying. It's worrying, okay? Like I said, whether it is active panic attack or it is subtle. Do you know why? Because you are thinking into tomorrow and you don't have control in tomorrow. You need somebody that is in tomorrow to trust. It's real simple. So when you are trying to think into something you don't have control over, you are already worrying. Except you are trusting someone that has control over it. And I'm so grateful that in all my thinking, I can trust God. I'm so thankful, right? I can keep my heart right. I'm just learning to trust God. Okay, third one this morning. Third one. Confident but not proud. Ah, no, no, deep. Show deep. Okay, confident but not proud. Okay, confident but not proud. Is this still confidence? Or has it become pride? Help me look at somebody and say, is this still confidence? Or has it become pride? Has it become pride? See, so, so, so let's set the tension. Do you know that the Bible says, don't cast away your confidence? As a Christian, you must be confident. Hebrews 10.35, don't cast away your confidence because it has great recompense of reward. There's a reward to your confidence. So we must be people that are confident. We're not called to be like her. We don't know. God, you shall help us. We're called to be confident. The life we live as a Christian should come with an aura of confidence, of courage, of confidence. That's the life of a Christian. But somewhere in that confidence, have you seen somebody that is so confident that you are now asking yourself, am I sure this thing is not right? Anybody? Like it, it's almost like in that place of confidence, Eh? But, but how do I know? Because I don't want to now. So, so what some of us do is that we now say, you know what? If I will sacrifice one, let me just sacrifice pride. I don't want to go near pride. So let me sacrifice confidence. I mean, I don't want to be near pride. So let me just not be confident. So we now start to live with a low self-esteem. You know, those kind of, and it's like, it's better than being proud. Ah, anything I don't want in life to be proud. You know. Hebrew, um, Romans 12 verse 3, the Bible says that um, you know, Paul says that I beseech you that nobody should think of himself more highly for by the grace of God given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think did you notice that? don't think of yourself God, what, this is what God will tell you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think in other words, God will tell you there is a way you ought to think of yourself now, don't think of yourself more highly but because that is how you ought to think also don't think of yourself lower than that because that is how you ought to think so it's as much an offense Thinking higher as it is thinking lower. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. 
But, but pride, but honestly, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Pride is a very big deal. I can't, I, I can't even joke with pride. James 4 verse 6 says that God opposes, God resists. Some translations say God opposes the proud. Ah, God. You know, it's one thing to say God doesn't bless proud people. You say, hey, I don't even need his blessing. Okay. God is not, God does not really like proud people. Hey, who needs God to like him? Okay. But when the Bible says that God opposes you, you say, I want to go. God says, I'm stopping you. Ah. I tell people, you can't have any problem in life. Oh. Um, your in-laws are opposing you. They will relocate. Uh, your landlord is opposing you. you. Do you understand? Many things you can run away from. But when God says, me, I've chosen to oppose you. You now run to Satan. God is opposing me. You know, God opposes the proud. Don't read over that. Like, I can't even joke with pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't, if we're playing with things. Don't let's play with pride. Don't, don't, don't let's play with pride, though. Can play with many things. You know. God doesn't even say he opposes sinners or he opposes. Do you, do you understand? He calls them to repent. God, but pride. God says, Me personally, I oppose. Okay. So how will I draw the lines of not being confident? And the thing with pride, eh, when I'm talking about this spider that is just somehow, it just enters. The thing with this pride, what I've found is that it is so subtle. It can creep in on anything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That even reading your Bible, I'm feeling like you just start to become proud about your level of Bible study. <laughs> like it can wrap around anything. That's the spider in the king's palace. Like this is supposed to be Bible reading. Here is pride again. <laughs> the other one is sometimes how we actually claim humility. Eh? as an expression of pride. So, I was giving an example in first service. We are in church and we say, ah, let's make contributions. We need to do some, some, some in church. So, people now say, ah, somebody says, me, I will give 10 million. Ah, wow. Somebody says, me, I will give 1 million dollars. Wow. Somebody now comes and says, me, I will give 5 million. No. Somebody now writes, anonymous, 5 million dollars. And so, all of us are just like, wow, like this person is also, we didn't even write his name and all of that. Ah, we now get outside. Somebody now comes to you and says, anytime I make country, I don't like writing my name. <laughs> so you are using humility for your pride. That's what I'm trying to say. You want people to think of you as humble. This thing is spider. If you get what I'm trying to say, like you've cleaned, it just comes there. It just comes. <laughs> Another one is that reverse pride. Reverse pride is... Also just really annoying. Reverse pride is where, I call it reverse pride. Don't check for it in the Bible. I call it reverse pride. Reverse pride is where, you know, so for example, God comes to you. Let me, let me show you another expression of pride. God comes to you and says, go. You now say, oh, come on, me, I know myself, I know my background, I can't. Okay, God now says, I said go. You know, God, it's because I know myself, I can't. God says, I said go. Do you know that at some point, you are starting to play God? Because an almighty God is telling you that me, my knowledge, I'm telling you to go. You, because you know more than me, you're telling me you can't. At some point in that I can't, it is pride. But it looks like I can't because I, I don't even know how to, I'm not the type. I just want to sit down. God says I will use you. You say, God, you can't use me. Pride. Because you know more than God. God says that I have a plan over your life and over your marriage and over your home. 
You say, I know my background. <laughs> I know my background. It's okay to start from, God says, Moses, Moses says, I'm a stammerer. It's okay to start from there. But at some point in that conversation, when you continue saying, it's because I'm a stammerer. For the last 20 years, you've been telling everybody, it's just because of the kind of person me, I just know myself. You are God. You're starting to play God. Pride is where humanity starts to play God. That's pride. It's what Lucifer did and felt. It can come in any form, but where humanity starts to play God, friends, it is pride. And so what I think I would say to us about this pride conversation today is that I don't believe God is bringing us to a place where we started out from I can't and then now I can. No, that, that, that can be interesting, but I don't think that's where God is bringing us to. God is bringing us to a place where we start out from I can't, but now we are saying I will because God can. And so the real root of pride and confidence is what are you trusting in? In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul says that we are the circumcision and we worship in the spirit. We worship God in the spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. And look at this. And we have no confidence in the flesh. Oh, we do have a lot of confidence, but it's not in the flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. The moment we start looking to ourselves as the strength, you know what? So you look at this task and this one is easy. I can do this. No, 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 no. Our confidence must always lie in God. Otherwise, there is already a tone of pride in us. Okay, number four. Let me do two more and I'll close. Is this helping anybody today? Number four. Um, informed but not negative. Informed but not negative. So my big question, is this still information or has it become negativity? Let me ask somebody, is this still information? All these WhatsApp groups you are on, is this still information? Or has it become negativity? This is information. This is your news addicts, eh? I must just hear the news. Personally, every day, I'm not the news. So, so, do you know the truth? We live in a world where there is, forgotten percentage, but majority of news is bad news. Bad news. Try it tonight. Switch on any news station. A real news station, not the doctored ones. Doctor Dons will tell you right now that Nigerians are very happy. And, you, know, you know what station that is. I was not saying it Anyway, but, but real news. News is bad. Everywhere, there's bad news. Whether in terms of news you're watching on the TV or even just in terms of what's happening. There's just always somebody to tell you about, you know, when you're preparing for your wedding, there's always somebody to tell you about uh, this couple that is, that is now in court for divorce. It has a way of coming. <laughs> when you when you're expecting a baby, there's somebody that will tell you about uh, that family that lost their baby. There's, there's just bad news attached to everything. Info and listen, the, the thing with information is that it can be very factual. That, that's, uh, so it's not as though, you know, no, it's actually factual. Same thing, even scientific information sometimes. Like, it's just very factual. And sometimes just going through scientific information, you just stand up with some hopelessness. Um, and so my question today is that, is this still information or has this become negativity? You know, it's amazing how people just become philosophers. So like I said, how the devil just connects dot and dot and dot to form a web. All right? So you had a relationship that you lost, had one that you lost, you had one that you lost, you had one that you lost and all of that. And now you've just come up with this philosophy. Men can never be trusted. And Shakespeare. <laughs> you say, how, you say, I know many. How many? Seven. 
Do you know there are 7.1 billion people in the world? So the truth about even your fact is that they are flawed. Huh? Like, I just come up with these philosophies. I can never. You know, sometimes people tell me they can never. And I'm trying to say, no, it's different if you say I have never. But you know, I say I know what I'm saying, sir. I say I cannot. I'm not the type of person. What do you know about yourself, sir? <laughs> so, what I think I would advise you, friends, is we live in a falling world and there's all that bad news. Information there, there, there. Is this information or has it become negativity? We cannot afford a negative heart. You can't afford it. If the devil stamps your heart with negativity, do you know what? It will be a web. It will trap every blessed opportunity in your life. God will be doing something beautiful in your life. That your negativity. Just, yeah, let's give it time. Here you are in a church community. You're like, oh, wow, everything is going well. Everything is going well over. Mm. Yeah, something will happen. What will happen? I've been in churches before, say. <laughs> churches all. Uh-uh. Is this information or has it become negativity? The devil wants to get you wrong in your heart so he can get your life wrong. God wants to get you right in your heart so he can get your life right. And what I would say today, friends, don't even think about allowing a heart of negativity. So here's what I'll tell you. Don't, don't, um, on one hand, don't pride in ignorance. I'm not saying faith is not afraid of facts. Don't pride in ignorance. Don't be the kind of person that, you know, I just, the reason why I don't even listen to news and all of that is because I don't even want, okay, 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 you know, it, it is what it is at some point. You get what I'm trying to say? It's what it is, you know, it's like you're a student and you hear that ASU is going in for a meeting with federal government. I say, I don't want to don't switch it off. It's what it is. If they go on strike, they, do you understand what I'm It's what it is. But faith is a revelation that is superimposed on facts. So as Christians, we're not afraid of facts. Faith is not afraid of facts. But faith recognizes that it is a higher revelation over the fact of the moment. So I tell you, the way faith works, is like you walk into a room and you see this match on the screen and you, it's a replay. You have watched it before. So you've watched it before and you know that this match ended 3-1 in favor of Arsenal. Arsenal was playing... Um, um, Ah, I said Arsenal. I don't even know which team Arsenal can beat. <laughs> so the example didn't work. Okay, let's say, let's say, mind you, mind you. So mind you, were, ah, it's not working. So let's say Liverpool. <laughs> That's where we're always going. So Liverpool um, eventually won the match 3-1. But at the moment, it is 0-1. Okay? And you walk into the room and somebody is telling you that Liverpool is losing. You're not afraid of the fact of the moment. But there is something more than the fact that you know. So you're not coming to say, it's a lie. No, it's one zero. I go, I, it's okay. I'm not afraid of the fact. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not feeling well. It's a fact. But I have a revelation of God is my healer. I'm not afraid of, so, so go for a checkup. Go for it. Ah, if I go for a checkup, what would they not say? Go for the checkup so you can know how to channel your faith. is not afraid of fact. What I know, it is, it is not Satan that invented medical science. I know that. It's not otherwise. It's not Satan. 
otherwise. Faith is not afraid of facts. Okay, number five. Finally, this morning. Oof. Okay, let's close this up. <laughs> that, that was not intentional. <laughs> this was not intentional. Number five. Number five, friendly but not familiar. Friendly but not familiar. Is this, is this friendship or familiarity? Somebody help me with this. Can you catch? What is it? I said, don't fear. You say, yeah. <laughs> friendly. <laughs> Thank you, man. Friendly but not familiar. Is this friendship or familiarity? Is this friendship or familiarity? So, you know, and I'll maybe drive this in a lot with our relationship with God, but you might think about it and it might apply to many other relationships in your life. Is this friendship or has this become familiarity? And so you're thinking about your relationship with God and how Jesus calls you friend and how he draws us to himself. And that is honestly so beautiful. And I know that we are deeply loved of God and all of that. And yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm close to God. I have a relationship with God and all of that. That's so, you know, some of you, Jesus, Jesus says, I'm, I call you friends. You're only like, no, 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 Jesus is nice. Not even just friends. I'm, we're like BFF. Okay, it's fine. It's okay. But my question today is whether in the place of friendship, it has become familiarity. Familiarity is where I start to take things for granted. Familiarity is where the value that I should put on this, I no longer put. And I find that so often in a Christian conversation, we put out a hard posture of we're friends of God and God smiles on us. And you know, just that picture of God. And just in a subtle way, we start to take God for granted. And so God is saying in Malachi in chapter 3, he's saying that, look, the things you're doing to me, can you even do it to your secular governors? Can you, what you're offering me, can you offer your governors? Like, why are you, why are you taking me for granted? When last did you, just as a Christian, when last did you even just stop to just be grateful to God? When last did you just stop in a hard posture of, like, when last did you value just God's presence in your life? You know, is this still friendship or has it just become familiarity where I basically just take God for granted? So I even think about how in the place of wrong, like, oh man, come on, we live in the flesh and, and here and there, maybe you, 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 you slipped and you, you sinned and, you know, you did something that broke the heart of God. And, you know, when last did you genuinely repent? Repentance is an acknowledgement of wrong done. When last did you? Or is it just this thing of, you know, like after a day or two, like, Okay, God, let's just move on from there. Let's just get back on talking terms. Is this one still friendship? Or has it become familiarity? My invitation today, friends, is that we don't take God for granted. When last did you honor the things of God? Honor the house of God? Honor the things God is doing? You know, like, can you, let's be honest. Let's be honest, friends. And I speak to you from my heart. Can you go late anywhere else apart from church? Is this still friendship or has it become familiarity? Like I can just go anytime and do anything anyhow, you know. Can you respond to your life group leader? Can you respond to your boss at work the way you respond to your life group leader? Why is it that the things of God just come with this sense of it? It's what it is. Is this still friendship? Or has it become familiarity? My invitation to us today is that we don't take God for granted. Um, the least I can have are the heart posture in God. Because honestly, that spider will try and creep up in the place of God loves me. And I, my wife and I say this a lot to ourselves. The truth is the people in your life that you are most prone to take for granted are the people that are closest to you. There's anybody I'm most prone to take for granted, it's my wife. 
Because there's just that sense of she would understand and I can, you understand what I'm saying? There's just that, you know, but you do anything for anybody else and all, but the people close to me, but at some point, we need to ask ourselves, is this not me taking things for granted? I don't want to take the things of God for granted. I don't want to treat God as a joke. I don't want a heart that the, the, the spider has just crept in and now it's just from the web and one thing happened, one thing happened and here I am now in a heart posture that doesn't value God. Doesn't put the weight on worship, on putting God first. God would always say, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first in order of sequence and in order of priority. Make it your priority and make it first place. Seek first. God will, if he's second, he's not God. He's not God. Is this still friendship or has it become familiarity? Is this still friendship that I just do things anyhow, walk away, do anything and just show up and say because he loves me? Is it still friendship or has it become familiarity? And I just believe, friends, that honestly, living in the world we live and doing life, we all, we all are in that place constantly of, you know, just a heart, like, like just a spider trying to creep up and join a dot and a dot and a dot. It's just one more day of not reading your Bible. It's just one more day of something and a dot joins to a dot and it's forming a web on your heart without you even knowing it. And what I'm saying is that if that web puts that negativity on your heart, it brings in a wrong heart and a wrong heart will produce a wrong life. It becomes a wrong heart culture. Somewhere in action, after action, after action. Every time you say it's just one, it's just one news headline that whatever it is. Do you know what I've learned? Even in the place of negative news, I've learned to respond with what I believe. These days, I don't just hear things, you know. I don't just hear that uh, one, one pastor uh, did something, 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 and, and I just say, yeah. It's not a yeah. I respond. And in Jesus' name, God's hand is on me for this and this and this and this. I respond. Because it's just one, it's just one, ah. Then suddenly, the default response of your heart is fear, not faith. It's just every one more. You hear that a marriage broke up and you just say, ah, it's just happening everywhere. Oh. No. Marriages are working, amen. They are doing well. Mine and many others. Becomes your default heart posture and response. It's a web. And listen, those webs are sticky. They start to pull in the best opportunities of your life. And so today, friends, what I think I'm inviting us to, we really need a, what I call a 1 Corinthians 13, 13 heart. We really need it. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Bible says, now abide faith, hope, and love. Now abide faith, hope, and love. And I believe that when God weighs our hearts, when God says, I weigh the heart, I believe when God puts my heart on the scale, he wants to see faith, he wants to see hope, he wants to see love. I believe this is the posture of a believer's heart. And listen, maybe right now you feel, my heart doesn't look like this. That's what I'm saying. If my heart is going to be clean, it is going to be cleaned. If my heart is going to be in this posture, it is going to be a constant and conscious, you know, cleaning it to this state, a place of faith, of hope, and of love. I want to have a believing heart. I want my heart culture to be in a posture of believing, not of doubting. I want a heart culture that is in a place of hope, not of negativity, not of, you know, just everything going wrong and everything that can go wrong. I want a heart culture that is in a place of hope and of expectation of what God will do. I want a heart posture that is in a place of love, not of bitterness as a consequence of what they did and, you know, who they are. I want a heart posture in a place of faith, of hope, and of love. We need it, friends. We need God to work it in us. 
And today, what I want to do is to invite every one of us to what I call a washing. A washing of our hearts. How will God work this in us? How will God set a right heart in us? And it doesn't matter who you are right now, where you are. I believe that in Christ Jesus, when you make that decision, he sets your heart right. And then we engage a journey of a washing. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about this in verse 26. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse her. Speaking about the church. So Paul is saying Jesus will sanctify and cleanse the church. How? With the washing of water by the word. God's word still has the power. To be washing us. And what does he do when he does that? That he might present her to himself a glorious church. That's not a building. That's the individual. That's you. A glorious church that doesn't have spot or wrinkle. Or cobweb or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. That God says by the washing of the word. By exposing myself to God's word. um, Do you realize that God is... Working in my heart. He's setting me right. Yes, I've heard all these negative things, but I'm exposed to the world. Hey, friends, don't make light of it. This is the world we live in, okay? This is the generation we live in. But we have to be people that take responsibility over what is not right. Don't justify negativity. Don't justify a corrupted heart. Don't justify it. If the devil wants to get your life wrong, he will get your heart wrong. Don't justify it. But let's fight to say that we are clean. And we're removing the cup with the webs in our hearts. We're, we're taking them out. He might present her to himself a glorious church that doesn't have spot or wrinkle. I love that. I was thinking about how God has also blessed us with community and relationships that, that, can, that can be inspiring us just towards that life of the rightness of heart. In Acts in chapter 4, it was a very tough time for the disciples, Peter and John. They had been persecuted. They were working a miracle and they were arrested and a lot of threats were said and all of that. But when you just pick up the story in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, the Bible says, being let go, they went to their own companions. And so it was a tense time where, you know, things are not going right and they had every chance to, in the place of things not going right, just go in that negativity and start abusing who did what and all. And many times in this place, the question is, what are we pushed towards? And so I'm coming with all the, you know, the people you speak to and tell them of something somebody did to you and what do they push you towards? And look at this, they came to their companions and they reported all the bad things that had been done to them. But verse 24 says, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. I'm grateful for relationships that will not push me towards crankiness, but will push me towards God. I'm grateful for those voices. Don't make light of it. Don't make light of just the privilege of community, of church community, of people in your world, of, you know, just that call you can make that pushes you not towards, how can they do that to you? Hey, but that pushes me towards the rightness, that pushes me towards God. I need a washing in my heart. I need those voices that will tell me, no, you're being cranky. No, you're being negative. You're being bitter. I think you are bitter about this thing that happened. And, and it's okay to rant. And, you know, there are places you go. And I just want to rant. But, but now I'm done with ranting, okay? Now push me towards God. I'm grateful for every one of those voices. Not the ones that you come to and say, ah, this happened. They say, ah, I've even heard of 10 others. No, no. Push me towards God. Okay. Tim, come, let me close this morning. We're going to worship in just a moment and ask God to work on our hearts because that's what I'm believing for God to do in this series. I'm going to read one more scripture, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Um, this is what I'm believing for God to do in this series, to, to work on our hearts. Like I say, it's every one of us. I feel like I'm there. Maybe in some way you are there. Um, this is not about us bringing out a scorecard to say in the one of, uh, of, of confidence, not pride, correct, correct, wrong. No, this is 
about us just surrendering our hearts to say, God, get me, set me right at heart so that you can set my life right. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, if you will stand with me this morning as I close, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matter of fact, can we all read that together, everybody? One, two, three, go. Blessed. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't know what all of this is that you're hearing. Um, and, you know, Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5 and he's, he's going on to teach for three chapters and he says quite a lot about the kingdom and all of that. But somewhere in there, he just throws this line that I don't want you to miss anybody. If you haven't heard anything I've said, you need to hear this. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart because they will see God. And I know, and I know that there is that ultimate sense to it that, oh, if I have a pure heart and walk this earth, ultimately I will see God and all of that. But right there, Jesus gives us one of the biggest secrets of doing life. Jesus says you are blessed when your heart is pure because you see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you know the privilege that we have in this? The privilege we have in this is Jesus is saying that if you can find a purity of heart, you are going to be seeing God in life. What would it be like for you to go back to work tomorrow and you're not just seeing your boss, but you're seeing God? What would it be like for you to go back to that same situation and you're not just seeing a challenge or something, but you are seeing a working of God? What will it be like for you to go back to, to, to just things that happened in your life and all the interpretations you had given, but now you are not just seeing what they said, but you are seeing God. And Jesus says, it is by a purity of heart that we see God. I was thinking about this, how uh, I was reading about science and how they'll tell you that, you know, a spider just joins dot and dot and forms a web. And it's just a 2D web. But, but, but those spider webs now start to accumulate and become a cobweb. And, and as it starts to accumulate and gather dust and gather and gather and gather presence and gather all of that negativity and catch things and trap things and all of that. And what they said, what I said, I read this this morning, is that even the spider itself no longer finds that web useful. The spider has already left. But just the trail of what it's left in your heart has gathered and gathered. Now it's just catching every opportunity in your life at will. Now it's just catching every new thing coming into your life. Now the spider that built the web needs the web light. That's why you don't even see the spider on the web. The moment the spider gets the web heavy, he has left. And for many of you, things have happened in your life 20 years ago and they haven't walked away. But now here you are. With a trail and and jesus says hey you know what that thing is obstructing your view of god that's the biggest thing it's doing it's no longer about the abuse that they abused me and what they did to me it's no longer about what they did the incident has walked away it is now about a person that is no longer seeing god and god is saying you know what i have a promise over your life but you don't even see that again all you are seeing is just hooked by a whip and today my invitation to everybody is that we can open out our hearts. I don't know how this comes to you, but hey, you know what? I need a pure heart. I feel like David saying, God created me a clean heart. I can't, I can't live with the webs. I can't allow negative things to join up in my heart and create a web. God, I need a clean heart. I need a clean heart. I need God to work on me. The way I feel this morning is like, can somebody walk into God like, like he's a heart surgeon and open up yourself to God and say, God, do a work in me that only you can do. This is no longer about justifying things or giving explanation or giving excuses. This is you before God. God looking at your heart and saying, I weigh your heart. What does your heart weigh? This morning, does your heart weigh fear? 
Does your heart weigh anxiety? Does your heart weigh negativity this morning? Does your heart weigh, you know, just that information overload that has become negativity? What does your heart weigh today? Does your heart weigh bitterness this morning? Does your heart weigh offense this morning? But the good news is we can come to God. He's so good a savior. Don't run, don't run the wrong races. Don't in a, in a hard posture of negativity try and prove a point. No, 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 don't. You are made for more than that. You are made for a purpose of God. You are made to thrive in a plan of God. But you will only see God through the purity of heart. Fear will cluster it. And this morning, people are going to have to say, I refuse to be afraid of the future. I open up my heart to God. God, do a work in me that only you can do. I refuse to allow the devil stomp my heart in all the wrong ways. God, do a work in me that only you can do. I just want there to be a desire in your heart. We're going to worship in a moment, but I just want there to be a desire in your heart that says, God, I need you to do this like only you can. In Jesus' name, can we pray? Father, thank you for the power of your word. And I pray this morning that you're just speaking to people and you're working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Do what only you can do, God. We open up our hearts to you this morning, God. And set us right in our hearts, God, so that you can set our lives right. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Come on, let's worship. is to you but if you would just hold out your hands like just standing before a God who sees you who knows even before you tell him he knows it okay and would you just hold out your hands and my question today where are you sick in your heart come on don't let's play God games this morning where are you sick in your heart if there's just no passion in your heart no vibe don't justify it you stand before a God this morning who wants to do heart surgery on you. Whether you're in this building or you're online anywhere, and say, God, work on me. Work on me. God, would you stir up my heart again? Don't justify it. Now, now you're living in that crippling fear over tomorrow. You're hustling to make your life work. <laughs> How far has he helped? stand before God this morning just open your hands if you will say God work in my heart 
if he would set your heart right he would set your life right God put in me a spirit of faith and of hope and of love God wear my heart and let it weigh like Jesus today God God wear my heart and let it weigh the things that it should weigh God and let it not weigh what it should not weigh God do a work in my heart right now I, I yield and I surrender start a process start an inclination God build a culture plant out a culture in my heart today God but let this be more than all the fancy things I can say let this be something coming out of my heart if somebody would pray this morning I, I, I don't know where you are but I just sense that the Holy Spirit wants to work in people today I know one bad thing happened and another bad thing happened and another bad thing happened um, but that is not a justification for you to live in depression no it's not and I know one disappointment came and another disappointment came but listen listen bless that the pure in heart it doesn't matter the disappointment if you would see God he is holding you up even in this he's for you and he's not against you what happened to your confidence now you're walking around and you just lost it all there's no Bible says do not cast away your confidence which has great reward where's your confidence in what God is doing in your life don't let the economy shake your confidence somebody don't let the government shake your confidence don't let what's going on around don't let an institution shake your confidence don't let a job shake your confidence Hebrews chapter 30 let your life be free from the love of money because God himself has said I will never leave you I will never forsake therefore we take comfort and we are encouraged and we confidently and boldly say that the Lord is my helper I will not be seized with alarm somebody let God just breathe confidence in your heart again let God breathe peace that passes understanding in your heart today thank you Lord thank you Lord let me give you 30 more seconds to pray this means something to somebody this means something to somebody this this means somebody just calling on God you can't help yourself and I know you suffered loss but you are not a victim somebody <laughs> oh yes I suffered loss but you are not a victim you are not a victim that's that's what he's saying to you you're not a victim I know you don't know how it's going to happen but he has not called you to confusion he has not somebody pray thank you Lord God, work in every sick place this morning. Do a surgery like only you can. Touch our hearts like only you can. I open up my heart to you. I open up my heart to you. Do what only you Jesus have your way in me now. Can I can I ask us to just stay standing? And if we can honor this moment. Somebody came to church this morning and it's not in the right place with God. And you see, where it starts, getting it right in your heart is not by more effort. It starts by Jesus setting your heart right so that you can start to clean it and get it right. Um, and today, if you're not in the right place with God, there's only one way you can actually be made right with God. It's by 
surrendering the lordship of your life to Jesus. I don't know who you are or how you got to be here this morning, um, but the big question I want to ask is, can you confidently say that you're in the right place with God? Can you confidently say that, you know, I'm not living that life of guilt and of shame and of condemnation, but that I'm living in just the joy of being a follower of Jesus? And today, you know, he loves you and he knows you. Um, maybe you hear this one, you say, you don't understand, I've let God down. Um, the truth is, you are never the one holding him up. And today, he loves you. He's loving on you and he's inviting you to himself. Um, I don't know who you are or how you got to be in church this morning, but I always want to give a moment to just say, let that miracle happen in your life. That you can say yes to Jesus. You can be forgiven today. You can be washed clean. It can be a new life for you. You can walk out of those doors today saying, you know what, I am a confident child of God. That can be your story this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody, let's just honor this moment as we stand and close our eyes. And if you say, you know what, you're speaking to me, I'm going to ask you where you are to put your right hand on your chest. Whether you're in this building or you're online anywhere, whether you're alone or there are people with you, it really doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you where you are at the count of three to just put your hand on your chest. Let Jesus see you. Let him know that you are making that deliberate choice. Maybe you say at some point in my life I've made that choice, but you know as we speak today that you've walked away from it and you need to be reconciled with God. Maybe you've never made that decision and you need today to be that day. Are you ready? God bless you. One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest where you are. God bless you. Across the room, I see people, people, people. God bless you. This is a miracle happening in your heart. God bless you. Thank you for your sincerity. If you're online also, I want you to do it. God sees you right where you are. Put your hand on your chest. It's a miracle happening in your life. God bless you. God bless you. It's a new beginning. Wow. It's a new beginning. Awesome. Awesome. You know what? This is a family, not a crowd. We're going to join in with you. I'm going to ask everybody to say this prayer together. If your hand is in your chest, I want you to say it with boldness, knowing that God hears your words. And the Bible says, we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouth and salvation. But everybody's going to join in. This is a family, not a crowd. We want to stand with you, all right? But let's say these words with meaning. Everybody, say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I come to you today. I come to you today. Because you've made a way for me to come. Because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death. Through the death. The burial. The burial. And the resurrection. The resurrection. Of your, of your son Jesus. See, I believe with all my heart, all my heart that, Jesus that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the son of God and He's the Savior of the world. So I believe He died in my place so that I'll be forgiven and I'll have a life with you. Say, today, today I, confess I confess Jesus as my Savior, as my Savior and my Lord. Say, I give everything to follow you. Say, please forgive me of the past. And give me a whole new start. Give me a whole new start. Say from today, from today, I will follow you. Fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. And I'll never be the same. I'll say I'm a child of God. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Come on. to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing.